Yeah. Okay, that came fast. Good morning. Glad to have you. Uh, busy summer schedule, but still a good, good crowd coming. We thank you so much for that, for being here. Uh, if you're a guest today, uh, your first, second time with us, we always ask you to please fill out this registration and rip that off and drop it in the offering plate when it comes around. Uh, the other things to let you know about is um, out in the foyer, we have the little bottles from the Citrus Pregnancy Center. We support them. And one of the ways we do that is you, you take the empty little bottle and you fill it with coins and, and then bring it back. Um, and we give that to the pregnancy center. So those will be out in the foyer uh, as you leave. I think we got them now in about three places because um, a lot of people don't always go out this door. So anyway, that uh, helps us to support the Citrus Pregnancy Center. All right. The other thing, the youths are going to Okala tonight, right? Yep. They're going to go down there and have a great time. Now, this isn't that zip line thing, is it? No? Okay. Um, and then guess what tomorrow is? <clears throat> Vacation Bible School. All right. So if, if you can't come and help, be praying for those kids and the workers that will be there with them during the week. All right, well, this morning we have one of the favorite things that I like to do, and that is we have dedication of children, babies today. So I'm going to ask first, because they have one, Gary and Theresa, to come with Callan. Does I say that right? Callan, yeah. And Miss Carrie, our children's director, and Miss Donna, our nursery director, are going to come up and help. So if you guys will stand right in the middle, you get the center of attention. Now that baby's got some cheeks. <laughs> Woo, way. Don't miss many meals right there. I like that. Hi. Hi there. Oh, don't you just love it? Man, oh man. All right. Well, Gary and Theresa, do you promise to pray for and with Callan as he grows 
in the knowledge of God and in his spiritual life. And would you promise to train Callan in his body, mind, and soul for service to and fellowship with the Lord? And would you promise to do all that you can to lead Callan at the proper age to confess his faith in Jesus Christ? And so to you as a congregation, as fellow church members and friends, uh, would you pledge your support, please, and interest and help these parents as they want to love and lead and train their children. And so say, we will. And so when you see them every now and then, uh, just get a good look. So if you see them in the hallways or something, pray for them. Because you know what they're doing. Do you know what they're doing? Raising kids and, and how difficult that can be. All right, let's have a word of prayer. And then we're going to sing a cappello, uh, Jesus Loves Me. You know what we usually sing? Father, we thank you for this um, occasion. We really do. We, we just appreciate so much these moms and dads that uh, bring their children uh, to publicly say, we want to raise them for the Lord. So would you please just uh, help them, encourage them, and honor this commitment that they're making for Callan. We ask in Christ's name. Now let's sing. Happy birthday. Oh, whoops. Jesus, me this I know. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Hi. Yes, Jesus. Oh, I got to laugh. Hi. Yes, Jesus. Hi, Hi buddy. Bible yeah. me so. I got smiles. I did. All right, we got a certificate for you and a flower for you. We're going to be talking about kids today. Thank you all so much in the service. And then another blessing is we have Colton and Ashley Barnes. They're going to come and pre present Kaysen and Brooks. So we got a double duty here. Uh, <laughs> if y'all would come and stand right here, we appreciate that. Hi. Hello. See, I get the smiles, man. Kids love me. I get them. Yes, sir. All right. It, it is, you know, it's our privilege really to uh, be able to encourage and assist in any way that we can these parents that, that bring their children. And so they are bringing Kaysen and Brooks before the Lord and before you. So Colton and Ashley, do you promise to pray for and with Kaysen and Brooks as they grow in the knowledge of the Lord and in their spiritual life? And would you promise to train Kaysen and Brooks in body and mind and service and fellowship with the Lord? And would you promise to do all that you can to lead Kaysen and Brooks at the proper age to confess their faith in Christ? And congregation again to you as fellow friends and church members, would you promise to, uh, again, if you see them uh, up around or in the hallways, just to breathe a prayer and just encourage them um, in their walk with training their children for the Lord. 
I will. Say, I will. All right. Father, we thank you for this group of parents, and we thank you for the commitment that they've made. And it is very meaningful to us as a church to know that we have parents, and we've got a lot of them, that are training their children for you. And we want to do all that we can to be a part of that. So would you honor and bless them? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I like that smile. That's a big one. All right, Miss Donna and Miss Carrie have a certificate for you. You're going to carry it for them? Okay. Thank you all. God bless you. Thank you all, ladies. And now... As they get down safely, if you would stand and welcome somebody around you to church.
heart. Amen? Because it's a beautiful song. In the morning when I
love you this morning, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jesus, this morning we we know without you we are nothing. So this morning we are just praying when our world seems to be falling apart, just knowing that you hold all things together. This morning I pray for the tithes and the offerings. Father, I pray that you would um, use them, bless them, multiply them so that others we know the reason we have hope, which is Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Have you ever wandered in the valley? Those moments where you feel lost, wounded, broken. You look around and see an endless journey, surrounded on all sides, cut off from the surface above. The loneliness is palpable. The fear is real. But even here, God remains. For nothing can separate us from his love. Neither height or depth. Here in this chasm, in the midst of the struggle, we can find peace. We can find security. We can find hope. For we are not alone. He will never leave us, and He will never forsake us. For He is God, the God of the valley. All right. Good morning again. This is sermon number four. Um, and I think it's the last one in this series on the countercultural statements that Jesus made, uh, radical things that he said. And I'm hoping that, that you're not only getting information, but I'm hoping that you're challenged uh, personally by uh, some of the things that we're saying. Because, you know, living the Christian life is living the Christian life. It's not just talking about it, Right. And that's hard. That's hard for me. That's hard for you, you know, uh, to get beyond ourselves and really live the Christian life. I, I probably had more feedback from last Sunday's message on forgiveness than I've had in a long time. And so if you didn't hear that, uh, I'd love for you to please go online and listen to that message of what Jesus said about forgiveness. Some real radical statements um, that he made. You know, one of the things that he said about forgiveness was do it now, right? Remember that? Do it now. And do it often. That's when Peter came and was asking him how many times. Do it from the heart, you know, not just with words. And, and, and the thing to me that was so radical that I'm having still, you know, trying to get my mind around is when he said, look, if, you, if you're at church or you're at the altar and you remember that someone's got something against you or, or vice versa, Leave it and go get things right and then come. That's, I still today, that's radical for me, you know, to, to be able to hear that because that's a hard thing to do. 
All right, so looking at some of these radical statements of the Lord, this particular story today, statement, begins with his disciples having a discussion. Now, if you know a little bit about your New Testament, you know that Jesus picked 12 men and he invested in those men for three years. And at the end of the three years, after he had been uh, crucified and resurrected and ascended to heaven, now this is important. Listen, Jesus entrusted um, the entire future of the Christian cause with these 12 men. He invested the whole future. I mean, and, and you would think that if he's going to do that, <clears throat> you would think that he would pick the, the cream of the crop. You would think that he would find people that knew the Jewish law upwards and backwards and uh, guys that had unbelievable integrity and, and, and intellectual uh, ability and, you know, they were visionary. Um, but that's often not the case as it was here. So this story is going to be one of those examples. So in Matthew chapter 18, I'd like to read six verses and then we'll read a few as we go through, but the main portion will be up front. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, which of us is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So Jesus calls a small child over to him and puts the child among them. And he said, I assure you, unless you turn from your sins and become as little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who trust in me to lose faith, it would be better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. Now, in this passage today, I'd like to share with you what I believe is a picture of our spiritual journey. And I believe that journey takes three main steps. And so we're going to cover those three steps and then have a few things to say uh, about each one. So let's just walk through what these three things are that God, what does God want from me? Man, that was the title. What does God want from me? First of all and foremost, number one, turning and believing. Turning and believing. In this passage, Jesus said, unless you turn from your sins and become like one of these little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to, again, I want you to kind of picture this. Here are 12 disciples that are gathered around and they're having this discussion and the discussion is all about posturing for prominence. It's all about who's going to be the important one. And this is not the first time they did it. And it's not going to be the last time that they did it. In fact, just a couple of chapters later, you're going to see uh, James and John sending their mother to tell Jesus, when you get into your kingdom, can my boys sit on your left and your right hand? I mean, you think about that. I mean, like a bunch of elementary boys, you know, out on a playground sitting around arguing about who's the greatest. And that's, these disciples are doing that. Jesus had no patience, folks, with that kind of petty 
prideful discussion. So he basically says, look, you men just don't get it. And you've got this all wrong. You think greatness is about rank and it's about position, but greatness in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with titles, has nothing to do with education, has nothing to do with achievement or position. Now, I want to make sure on this point that we all understand something that Jesus is assuming that we understand. In this passage, Jesus talks about entering what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven. What is the assumption? The assumption is, if you're going to talk about what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven, is that we're not already in it. That everybody's not automatically in the kingdom of heaven. Now, here is a theological, biblical truth that I want to make sure that everybody hearing my voice understands. When you were born into this world, you were born into the kingdom of this world. And you were separated from God. And you are outside of the kingdom of heaven. None of us are automatically a citizen of God's family. And no one can say, and I have heard this my entire ministry life. I've heard people say to me, and I heard this on the radio this week on, on my good Christian station. Uh, they were interviewing someone. And this man said in the interview, when they asked him, well, tell us about your life and becoming a Christian. And he started with this. Well, I, I just, I've always been a Christian. No, I mean, folks, that's, pop, that's common. Some of you may be thinking that. Well, as far as I remember, I've always been. Can I tell you on the authority of God's word? that you have not and I have not always been a Christian. Um, all of us were born outside the kingdom of heaven. And this whole passage is Jesus beginning to work with these disciples and help them understand how you move from outside to the inside. And so that we can then share that with people again. So the million dollar question would be, well, how does a person do that? How do they enter the kingdom of heaven? Folks, this, this morning, if you're going to answer one important question in all of your life, it, you better be sure you get this one right, okay? Because you can get a lot of other things right in life, but if you miss this one and you make a mistake here, it will cost you for eternity, for eternity. So the question is then, well, how do I do it? What, what is the door? You know, uh, how do I move from outside the kingdom to inside the kingdom? And that is exactly what Jesus is going to talk about. And that door that we talk about, we call it salvation, right? Being born again, being converted. So in this particular story where the disciples are sitting around arguing about who is the greatest, Jesus must have seen out of the corner of his eye a little child. So he chooses now to make that child the illustration of how a person comes into the kingdom. So he calls this little child over, puts them in the midst of these 12 disciples and in their discussion about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus turns to these men and says, you have to become like this if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I kept thinking, well, why, does, why does Jesus use a child to help illustrate how a person comes to Christ? 
of all the word pictures out there that he could have used, of all the illustrations that he could have come up with, why would you call a little kid and set that kid down in the middle of the disciples and point to him and say, unless you have this kind of humility, you won't make it into the kingdom of heaven. You're not in the family. Now, I think most of us probably understand some of why Jesus did that. When we look at kids, and we were looking at these kids up here today, I couldn't help but think of the message. Kids are honest, basically, till you catch them in the cookie jar or something. But kids are basically honest. They're unpretentious, right? Kids are trusting. Kids don't care about position. They don't care about rank. All these things that the disciples were arguing over, kids don't care about that. Now, so many of you, especially those of you over here, that brought your children and you line them up in the children's center to, you know, to, to bring them in there and they're in line or you're going to get them at the end of the service to, to take home, I want to promise you something, that your four-year-old, your five-year-old, your six-year-old is not standing in the line at Gulf to Lake Church thinking, hmm. I wonder if I'm the greatest kid here. Are they? Are kids doing that? No. And no kid is looking around saying, I wonder if my daddy makes more than Johnny's daddy. Kids don't do that. There is something, Jesus is getting to a, a, a really simple but profound point, that there's something about the innocence and the simplicity and the honesty of a child that just endears us to them, Right? I mean, there just really is. They're so innocent. In fact, you know, I love to watch a kid um, as they just light up when they discover life, you know, or something about life. They just get a, that big old smile on their face. Two years ago, about this time, I was flying back from North Carolina. I'd been doing a wedding there for one of our uh, family's daughters. And I was on the um, route from Charlotte to Tampa. And, of course, there's three in front of us and three. I'm with two other people in, in, behind. And in front of us, there's a mom and a dad and a little girl. She's about three or four years old. Found out she was three. And when they took the seatbelt sign off, and, 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 of course, she then gets up in her seat and was looking back at all of us. And, you know, of course, she's just a beautiful, darling little girl. And so we're talking and asking her, you know, what she's doing and where did you go and all this stuff. And then I always, what I always do, I, I said to her, I said, well, um, how old are you? She said, I'm three. And then I said something that I say to almost every little kid. Three? You mean you got that pretty in just three years? Oh, she just lit up. Oh, her face just got so, you know, and mom and dad, they're looking back and everything else. We're intrigued by little kids, aren't we? I'm intrigued by little kids. It's, it's not only their simplicity, it's their innocence and their honesty and their trust. In fact, I want you to write this down. Kids know how to trust. Amen? You workers in VBS, don't forget that this week. They're not skeptics. That's one of the reasons, I believe, why so many of you probably came to faith in Christ when you were a child. It is easy for them to trust and believe. And so this week, when uh, sometime this week, when the workers explain the gospel very simply to all the kids that will be here, 
I mean, we're, we're going to explain to them. And, and one of the things that I shared with one of our um, church members a couple of the other morning at breakfast, I said, you know what I love about the gospel is that Jesus puts it down on the lower shelf where everybody can get to it. And yet it is so profound, even though it's down there, you can't understand it all. It, it, it's just that amazing. As I've told you before, it's too good to be true. You know, but God puts it down there where we can all get our hands around it. But here's the thing. I didn't, I didn't understand everything about the Christian life when I got saved. Did you? And I didn't understand everything. Um, I didn't understand what it meant to follow Christ. Are you listening? But I did understand what it meant to walk through the door. To walk through the door and to trust him just with simple faith. I understood enough to know that Jesus loved me, that he died for my sin, and that he offered me forgiveness. And if I would believe and receive, then I could have eternal life. That's what we have to know. You know, for a lot of adults, the biggest barrier to your coming to the Lord is your own intellect, you know, and your own thinking that you've got to have every piece of the puzzle you know, I'm amazed at the people that say, well, when I understand all of that and I, I know why God allows suffering and I understand the Trinity and I understand all those, then I can put my faith totally. No, that's, that's not how it works. Now, listen, to be sure, in order to be a Christian, God doesn't ask me to check my intellect at the door and not think about it. He doesn't do that. But the, and, and I could share with you, we could spend about a half of a year every Sunday morning presenting to you all the credible evidence of the gospel, of why the Bible is true and, and, and why what the Bible says is true. There is plenty of reasonable, credible evidence that Jesus lived, that he died like he said, said he did, and that he rose again. Are you listening? But at the end of the day, You've got to have a simple childlike faith and trust in Jesus Christ that says, I believe. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is about one of the followers of Jesus named Thomas. And I'll tell you what he said that just has really become a, one of my favorite sayings um, for my own life. But after Jesus had been crucified and the disciples were in that upper room, the Bible says, and they were behind locked doors because they were still afraid of the, of the uh, Jewish leaders. And Jesus went through, just appeared, in front of all the disciples, except Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. So after they leave and Thomas comes in, then they said, Thomas, man, you're not going to believe this. I mean, we, we really saw Jesus. It is true. He's alive. Thomas said, that's not good enough for me. He said, until I put my hands and my fingers in those scars, and I put my hands in the scar where that soldier pierced his side, I won't believe. The Bible says about a week later, they're in the room again behind locked doors, and Jesus just appeared to him. First thing he said, well, look, peace, guys. Don't be afraid. It's me. And then he looked over at Thomas. He said, Thomas, here it is. Touch it. Feel me. And, and here's the scar. Put your fingers there and feel it. And when Thomas realized that, he said these three words, and I love them, my Lord and my God. Folks, it ought to bring that kind of awe to us when we realize who he is. 
my Lord and my God. And then uh, verse 29 of that same uh, John 20, another great verse for us. Jesus, after Thomas said that, he said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. That's you and me. That's everybody since the resurrection. One of the greatest truths about kids is that they have the ability to believe and to trust without seeing. I have never in 42 years ever told a child about Christ and they say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe he was here. I don't believe that's real. And so some of you may be sitting here right now and you're saying to yourself, it's just too simple. That cannot be that easy. But friend, that again is the beauty of it. No, it wasn't cheap. It cost God his, his son and Jesus his life there for a while. But it is simple and it is free. If only we will believe. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 through the message paraphrase. Saving you was all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we had done the whole thing. No, we neither make or save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. So would you write this down? In childlike faith, would you choose today to receive Christ? In childlike faith, would you receive Christ? We're going to give you a chance later at the end of the message. But I want you to think about that right now. And I want you to know this. You don't have to leave this room this morning without knowing for sure that you are a child of God. And that you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. So that is step number one. We have to repent. We have to believe and turn to the Lord. But then there's another important step. So assume with me now that we've made that step. We've crossed over and we're, we're in the kingdom of heaven. The second thing then that we need to do, what does God want from me, is welcome and receive others. Welcoming and receiving. Again, in this passage, it says, anyone who welcomes a little child on my behalf is welcoming me. Folks, he's basically teaching us that you can't separate God from his people. Amen? You can't separate God from his people. Another interesting story in the book of Acts, where Paul, that then was still known as Saul, had been intensely persecuting Christians. I mean, after Jesus had resurrected and he thought his whole Jewish way of life was getting destroyed, he started killing believers. And he started arresting them and having them thrown into prison. And he's on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus on the road there, and the Lord strikes him down, and he's blind. And he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Did you catch what he said? It wasn't Saul. Why are you persecuting Christians? Why are you persecuting my followers? No, you're persecuting me. You see, to mess with God's kids is to mess with him. That's what that means. I mean, if you could, listen, if you could imagine with me that we've walked through that door of salvation, then just on the other side, we get the privilege of holding the door open for others and asking them to come in. 
That's what we're supposed to do. And here's the good news. You can invite anybody with absolute confidence and assurance that if they come, they're going to be saved. Any family member, I don't care what they've done or not done, any co-worker, any friend, you're welcoming them into the family of God. Here's another thing I'd like you to write down. Kids know how to have a good time, don't they? They know how to have a good time. Saw a picture, it was in the Orlando Sentinel um, not too long ago, and it was these kids. They were actually a uh, gospel singing tour, little kids from Uganda. And it was talking about how they had gone from mud huts and dirt floors and no water and no electricity to being in the middle of Disney World. High tech. I mean, and it showed their picture, you know, a colored picture of them there. And, and they were just, their faces were, it was that joy and shock. You know, a lot of them looked scared to death. Um, but it was that, that joy. Um, and then I, I think about that verse of scripture that tells me, I think it's Luke 15, we'll look at it in a minute, that every time someone gets saved, there's joy in heaven, that the angels rejoice. In fact, in Luke 15, 10, count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Folks, if Gulf the Lake Church is known for anything, it ought to be being known as a place where people are welcome and where we can invite them to come to Christ and to be saved. Another great story that I like from the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings, it talks about the city called Samaria. And Samaria has been under siege by the Arameans. And what they would do back then, especially the Arameans um, and the Assyrians too, but what they would do was if they could not defeat you, uh, if you were in a walled, fortified city, it, which it was, if they couldn't defeat you, they would just shut everything off. You couldn't get water, you couldn't get food, and you would starve to death. they just wait you out. And that is what was happening here. And there's these four lepers, the Bible says, that were outside of the gate because they're not allowed to be with everybody else because they got leprosy. So they're outside the gate and they're talking to one another. And one of them says, you know, what are we doing? I mean, we might as well go out to the Arameans. I mean, what's the worst can happen? If we go in the city, we're going to starve to death. Everybody else is. And the worst they could do out there is kill us for coming out. So what? We're going to die anyway. So they decided they were going to go out to the enemy. They walked out there, got finally out to where the enemy was camped. Nobody's there. God had caused them, 180,000 of them, God had caused them to hear an army marching and to hear them rattling swords and stuff like they're coming against them. And they got scared to death and just took off. Scorcher left everything behind them. So here's these four lepers, and they're going all these tents, and they got food in them. They got jewelry in them. They've got everything they need, wine, water, and they're just, I mean, they're just filling it, you know. And then finally one of them says this in 2 Kings 7, hey, this is not right. We have wonderful news, and we aren't sharing it with anybody. Let's go back and tell the people at the palace that we found food. That's what we're supposed to do. When, when we have news that will save people's lives, it's not right to keep it to ourselves. We need to be sharing it. So the Bible says in Romans 15, 7, so reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it.
What I'd like for you to do in the next fill in the blank is this. Would you just write the name of somebody, not a bunch of people. It may be a couple because they may go together. But would you just write down somebody in your notes there that you could invite to church? Don't put five or six or think, oh, I got a dozen. You won't do anything with that. Just write down one man or woman or one couple of somebody that you could invite. Would you do that? Write that down for me. So the first step of what does God want is, is turning and believing. Uh, the second step is that we would welcome and receive. And then the third step is we need to lead and model. We need to be leading and modeling what it means to be a believer. I shared this verse with you. It was the verse that we said how, how radical it is when I did a message on children just a few weeks ago. And that's Matthew 18, 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones who trust in me to lose faith, it would be better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. We have been given a responsibility that's unbelievable. And that is to be good leaders and good models of what it means to follow Jesus. Do you know why? Fill it in. Because kids are easily influenced. Kids are easily influenced. A lot of Christians are easily influenced. And because that's true, we need to lead them in a healthy, spiritual way. Romans 14, 13 says this. Are you listening? Let's stop criticizing each other. Instead, we should decide never to do anything that would make other Christians have doubts or lose their faith. Isn't that a great verse? That's for me. That's for you. In our leading and modeling. And as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, you know, my mind goes back to what Paul said in another place over in the New Testament. I think it was writing to the Corinthians uh, about their liberty, and I can do this, and I can do that. And, and, and he said, look, don't destroy another believer for the sake of food or drink. Now, we may not do that today, but it's like for us today, don't destroy another believer or a fellowship. Don't, don't destroy that because of irritability or you don't like this or you don't like that. Because people are watching and we need to lead and we need to model what it means. And, and, and here's the thing that bothers me about me being me, a preacher. is So many people are taking their cue about Jesus from me out in the community. So we've got to be very careful there. All right. First Corinthians 11, Paul said, follow my example, just as I follow Christ. In first Timothy four, he said, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you teach, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and in your purity. So write this last one down. This is what I've been thinking about for me all week. Try to remove anything that might cause someone else to stumble. Remove anything that might cause someone else to stumble. You know, another verse that we didn't get to, we're not going to go into it. But in Matthew 19, it says that people brought children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them, remember, and bless them. And the disciples said, get them away from here. Don't let them bother the Lord. And Jesus said, wait a minute, don't stop them. Let them come to me. 
the kingdom of heaven is made up of those like them. So he was very consistent. Now, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads with me for just another moment or two. Would you, some of you in here today, would some of you say, I'm honest and I have not turned and believed. I know about him, but I've never turned to him for faith. Would you, in childlike faith, come to Jesus? Lord, I ask you to help folks today. They're not going to come because of my preaching or how I present it or don't, or how well I put it together or don't. They'll come because the Word of God convicted them in their heart and spirit of their need for you and they'll say yes to you and no to the world if you would in childlike faith come to him today could I ask you just to let me know no one's looking around but could I just see you so I could pray for you would you put your hand up and write back down thank you any others would you do that for a moment thank you if you would make that commitment, if you've made it, in your bulletin, there is that rip-off portion. And on the back, it'll say a lot of different things that you could do. One near the front says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Would you just put your name on that and check that box if that's true? And let us know Let us uh, if you want to put your phone number or email. We're not going to bother you. We just want to rejoice with you and say thank you. Follow up with you. That send you something in the mail. I'm committing my life to Christ. Yes, Lord, I believe you. I trust you. Father, thank you so much that you've made the gospel simple enough that even a child can understand it and believe and trust. And I just pray that this morning there would be some folks around this room, as I know there's some that have raised their hand, that would say, yes, I believe. Help us as a church to be welcoming and receiving and that we would be leaders and models of a Christian life. Thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. We pray that there would be a party, a celebration in heaven today because people have given their life to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. God bless you. 
Have a great, great afternoon. Let me pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Be careful going out. Lord, we thank you for such an attentive group this morning. And help us to know that we are born again. And if we are, that we should be welcoming and receiving others. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.